for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. I am blue, you are bright and shiny in my mind You got me loving, hating crazy indecision in my mind Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. And welcome back to the Fall Podcast. This is episode number 71. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and with me, as always, my co-host, Justin Fabian. Justin, what's going on, man? Hey, not a lot, Aaron. Just, just braving the heat wave here in Iowa, man. It's... 116 today. <laughs> Keep it over there. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Like, I the the dog was like screaming yesterday because she wanted in, and like her feet were burning on the concrete, like at the door. Like that's yeah, how bad it was. That's that's terrible. You you know it's hot. Oh yeah. When it's when it's that hot. Like I, I really thought for a second about cracking an egg to see if it would cook out there. Like no joke. Like <laughs> I I bet I'm telling you it probably would have cooked an egg on the concrete. That's crazy. It was bad. I always feel like us as humans are always bitching, though, because, you know, the winter, the people that do live in the winter, it's like, oh, it's always cold and the snow and everything. And then, you know, there's never really a happy medium. And when we do get the happy medium, it's like only for a short period of time. But now in the summer, it's like so hot and it's like, I don't want to go outside and just we're never happy. No, ever. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, it's. If it's too cold, we complain. If it's too hot, we complain. If it's raining, it's like, oh, I can't do anything today. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's... We actually had a rainstorm come through last night. We lost power from 2 a.m. to like 7 a.m. So loud booms, lots of rain. I think, well, a little bit of rain. We got my rain gauge has three tents. So, but we haven't had rain in a little while, so it's good to get that for the crops and the farmers and food plots too so i haven't got all my food plots in but i got uh, 
couple more to do, which this next week or the week after, I'm going to hopefully get those the rest of the way in. But this rain is helping out for a lot of people, so yeah. that is a good thing. Yeah, it's just one extreme or the other, it seems like. Yep. Well, you know, with this heat, you know, you said we were just talking before record and you said you weren't going to shut your AC unit off in the house yeah. because because uh, it's so hot out, which I don't blame you. Um, while we're recording, we just don't, sometimes we just don't want to hear that, but it's fine. It's, you know, I want you to be comfortable over there. And as I can see it, probably what you're doing is you probably only have shorts on right now with no shirt, no hat, no nothing because your wife's gone for the weekend and <laughs> yep. you are building some meat muscles right now, aren't you? I am. I, uh, I just fletched up uh, 11 arrows. I'm, I'm short one because it's the one I killed my buck with last year. And like you, uh, once I kill an animal with an arrow, I don't ever reuse it. It goes on the shelf like as part of the trophy. And uh, blood, fat, bent broadhead, whatever it looks like, that's the way it stays. So <laughs> I... Uh, yep. I stripped everything on the 11 I had left, which were uh, uh, match-grade FMJs, and uh, I cleaned them all with degreaser. I cleaned them all with rubbing alcohol. I put brand-new wraps on them. I cleaned those. I got new new veins, I and I, I did six last night until I just felt like, eh, I'm, you know, I'm done for the night. I, you know, I'm just kind of doing it leisurely, taking my time and making sure everyone's perfect, and Got up this morning, had breakfast, went to the gym, came home, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish the arrows. I'm gonna." And you're right. I'm sitting here in my basement, in a pair of shorts, no shirt, no socks, and the <laughs> wife's in Wichita with with friends from Texas for the weekend. So I'm, uh, um, I just got the stereo going, playing some Eagles, and uh, yeah, just <laughs> thinking about thinking about Utah, thinking about Montana. Yep. I'm envious, man, because, you know, you're batching this weekend. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you have, you have no stipulations other than when you want to eat and you have to be somewhat responsible for the dog. Yes. Yeah, somewhat. I, <laughs> they are they're loving the couch life in the AC right now. They, they don't want to be outside either. So it's, uh, yep. you know, it's, it's kind of nice just to slow it down for a day or two and just just breathe you know <laughs> get stuff done that you don't sure. otherwise get done by the time you make dinner and eat together and you know yep. we went to uh my wife volunteered at a 4-h stock show uh she works for iowa state university and um a lot of her clients are 4-h you know students or their families and she came up in the in the livestock showing world in texas and you know it's a big part of her life and it was just it was cool to see her in her element for as much as I'm in mine. It was nice to to watch her interact in that world again. And, you know, so we, yep. we spent two nights out at the fairgrounds uh, at the 4-H stock show and helping out over there. Yeah. My wife's the same way. She, you know, got brought up in the livestock and showing the animals and showing the, you know, the the cows and the dairy feeders and all that yep. stuff. And actually our fair just started today, Sunday. Well, I'm sorry, this is Saturday, but this weekend it's going through this week. So we'll be there, you know, this week and Peyton's actually going to walk a calf. It's their first year. She's going to be able to walk a calf through and show that and everything. So that's pretty cool. She's pretty excited about that, but yep. I agree. I mean, it's cool to see them in there in somewhat of their element too. And, and 
so they can kind of relive what they grew up doing as well. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things. I mean, it's, it's the way I'll look at my, my child one day, you know, when, you know, they see their first animal in the woods or, I mean, if they even want to hunt for that matter, but I mean, it's just one of those things you, that same level of appreciation, I think, you know, that you see when, when someone else kind of has that fire in their eye. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I, and it's just that passion that you have for something like you said. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to get to your arrow build. So you've been building arrows, and I'm waiting on mine. Mine should be here next week, but I'm building some new arrows as well, and I feel like everybody and their brother out there is building arrows, but I think it's that time of the year to do that. Right. <laughs> so um, give me your specs on your arrow, what you're going to be running this year, and then I'll do the same when you're done with, with what I'm thinking because I'm changing some things up this year. Yeah, and I, I did the same. Um, so last year, like – the way I look at my hunting setup, no matter what kind of bow you're shooting, you know, what string you have, hopefully it's an ABB, <laughs> but, you know, no matter what your build is or what the purpose is, for me, everything revolves around the arrow. Like, the bow's going to do its job and send the arrow down range regardless, so you want to do as much as you can to influence what's going to happen when that arrow gets to where it's going and, you know, what you can do to make sure it gets there, you know, true to course. Um, last year I was shooting fixed blade broadheads. So because of that, I wanted just, I wanted that hard hitting, deep penetrating FMJ. Um, I ran aluminum inserts in it and I used a four inch vein with the, the true helical, the three degree helical. And, you know, I just wanted to stabilize that big broadhead as it cut the wind. You know, it's the first thing, you know, breaking wind between the bow and the target. So those, those longer veins, are more suited for that but this year uh, i'm going over to the sever broadheads and i wanted to adjust my setup to accommodate a mechanical again so i went back to the blazers uh just a short two inch high profile vein uh you know the aae max hunters function the same way i just i had really great luck with the blazers in the past and i just i i knew that worked for the with the mechanical and I did some research and I ended up putting that same three degree helical on the blazer. Uh, you know, there's research out there that shows the arrow is almost in full rotation immediately upon leaving the string, uh, the string when you put that true helical on the fletching, you know, as opposed to just the straight, you know, parallel or perpendicular rather fletch to the shaft. So I went two inch blazer with a three degree helical and like a four inch wrap on it, you know, just something to give me some little extra visual on it. And I'm excited to shoot it. I really am. Um, so I, I fletch those on the, on the same FMJs, but I also have, um, a dozen, uh, Easton axis five millimeter carbon arrows on the way. And I'm going to do some experimenting with those and I'm going to put probably 50 grains of brass in those as an insert, as opposed to the aluminum. And I'm going to run the same fletching setup on it. So what I'm looking for there is just the difference, you know, where the impact difference is between the FMJ at 11.2 grains per inch to the 5 millimeter axis, which is a carbon shaft, which I think I got 9.3 grains per inch on that one. Throw the brass nut, uh, brass insert in there, put put your FOC a little further forward, and you know see see how they fly different because i'm trying to build this arrow 
for 50 plus yard shots for my elk and my mule deer. So if that difference at 50 yards or 70 yards is, you know, four to six, or maybe, I mean, I don't think it's going to be eight inches, but if there is that difference, it exponentially increases with your range, right? Like a 50 yard shot, if you're an inch high at a hundred yards, you're going to be two inches high or, or more because the arrow is losing velocity. So to me, that equates to more room in the site housing to put your pins closer together. Now, I run a fixed five-pin site, so if that means I can get my bottom pin dialed for 70 as opposed to 50, I'm running that arrow because I want to be able to hold my pin on the animal at 70 instead of taking my 50 and trying to hold over knowing I have no more pins to work with. You know, I'm just essentially gap shooting and taking my best guess as far as how far to hold over. So long-winded answer of <laughs> of why i'm doing two different <laughs> setups but i mean it makes sense no so. i like it and i like that you're experimenting with some stuff too and you know two different setups now that's kind of what i'm doing as well but i i've got a dozen easton access 340s coming which they're going to be right around their carbon five millimeter just like you were talking yep I think they're like 9.7 GPI or, I mean, right there around 9.7 to 10. I can't remember exactly because I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to run that this year. And I'm going to do, I got the 50 to 75 uh, grain brass uh, brakes, so the insert. So I don't know if I'm going to run 50 or 75. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toy around with it when I'm building them because I want to see what my FOC, how different it is with the 50 to the 75. Um, I'm just going to play with that and see where it comes out because yep. before I think I was mentioned it on an earlier podcast where I was going to do a 125 grain head this year. Now that I'm going to go with the brass, like the 50 grain or 75 grain brass, I'm not going to go the 125. I'm going to stick with a hundred grain head and see where I can get my FOC there. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm going to cut those down to roughly 27 and a half inches. That's about where I am, 27 and a half to 28 inch dr- or arrows length. I'm going to run the two inch blazers like you did with the three degree, three degree helix. And I've shot those my whole life until the last like four years. I've been shooting AAE veins, Max Hunters, and I really like them. But I'm not going to lie to you, I've had, I've had troubles with them getting to stick on an arrow or a wrap yeah. you know i feel like i'm doing the right process but it's for some reason or another they're just not sticking on so that's one reason and the other reason is i just like those boning blazers they've i've, I've had really good luck with them and what i do differently which i haven't seen a lot of guys really do it and i actually can't really take credit for it. i saw a guy do it a long time ago but what he would do was take four inch wraps and he would fletch his arrow and then he would put the wrap he would start the wrap on the bottom of the arrow four inches down you know what i mean so you're actually putting the veins to the carbon arrow but putting the wrap below it and i thought it was a good idea i started doing it probably eight years ago maybe and i liked it because you know when you wrap an arrow and then you put the veins on the wrap if you like screw up a vein or something like that your whole wrap and everything's done for now you don't have to worry about it. So if something falls off, you know, a vein falls off your your arrow or something like that, it doesn't ruin your wrap. That thing stays on there all the time. And what I'm doing with the wrap is I just want to see blood, you know, and it does make the arrow look a little better too. And right. But I just want to see blood and, and what that looks like. And so I just figured just moving it up a little bit, you know, it, it helped out with 
not having to replace it all the time when you ruin a vein. So, but that's that's gonna be my setup this year. And I don't know, the arrow should be here next week. Gonna start building them. I got my veins, my wraps, and gonna go to town here soon. So I can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just one of those things. It's like one of those steps, you know, in the process of anticipation of the first of the first hunt. And um, I finally got my string, my new string. Um, no more, yep. <laughs> no more overcooked green bean. <laughs> I got the, uh, <laughs> I got the uh, flow yellow with the gunmetal twist, um, and it's it's a perfect match to the to the fletchings I've got. They're flow yellow with uh, boning calls them silver, but it's it's a gray. You know, it's not really metallic-y, and it matches the riser to the, my bow perfectly, and the twist in the string, everything. It looks really yep. sharp, and it's. As I've said before, I'm just anal about that. I like it to, to look good, but uh, it yeah. It does. Well, you sent a picture of it to me today, and yeah. they they're like a perfect match. Yeah, and it does look pretty sweet. I can't wait to see the string on the bow, and not to mention I've got a new string coming too. And I'm getting away from my normal like orange color. I usually do like some sort of orange in it. Yep. And I went totally on the other end of the spectrum. I'm going Odin green, so like a darker green, and a jungle green speckled. So it's like a lighter green but when they're twisted up they look sweet and it's got black serving so yep i was just talking to bryant the other day and uh those will be shipped out uh right around monday or tuesday so i can't wait to get those and uh got new abb platinums coming so i can't wait to put those on too so it is going to be like christmas in july yeah and yep. i can't wait <laughs> yeah that was me i i was waiting on i think like a package a day this week between between veins and adhesive and wraps and um i got a new stabilizer i put on my bow this year too i'm gonna try out a new stabilizer um again i'm just i'm trying to build everything for that for those longer range shots and this this stabilizer is uh telescoping or telescoping stabilizer and it's just like the leg on a yep. tripod it twists and it extends from 12 all the way out to 33 inches if you want and you can stop anywhere in between so um i have played with it a little bit in the yard and i'll tell you like putting that center of gravity a little further out in front of the bow, you'd be amazed at how much pin float you eliminate by just putting a few ounces, you know, 20, 24 inches out in front of you, as opposed to just those little 10 inch or eight inch, you know, right. hunting stabilizers. It's a, I, I've never tried it before, but I was, it was noticeably different for me and I'm, I'm impressed. Well, I know we're getting a little lengthy on this intro here, and I want to get to our interview with Clint from Sever Broadheads, and that's who we have on today. Yep. Um, you had reached out to Clint. You've got a relationship with him there, and he was more than happy to come on and talk. And I thought it was a pretty cool podcast because of how Sever got started. They actually were a broadhead way back in the day, and they just kind of rejuvenated themselves and you know, come out with this sever broadhead and the components to it. That's what I want to know more about because it's really a broadhead that uh, with the blades and the pivoting, you know, the pivoting blades and the titanium ferrule. Yep. It's a combination of something that nobody else is doing right now in the broadhead world that I know of anyway. No, I don't either. And, you know, that's just, those are just a couple of the the key design features that make this, you know, so desirable right now. I mean, I've been shooting them since April. This year, I shot my turkey with one. Um, Allie shot her bear with one. And, you know, not only did they perform awesome, but uh, there's just so many things that they thought of in designing this broadhead that 
or I should say like bringing it back to life, you know, like you said, um, you can practice with this thing as a practice tip. You just put a second set screw in, it prevents the blades from opening and you can shoot the same head in a target that you're going to hunt with, you know, without having to change anything or, you know, jeopardize the integrity of that broadhead. And it's, you know, that's, it's one more thing to keep track of that little tiny set screw, but it's also one more thing you don't got to go out and buy separately. Um, you know, you're always going to have your field points. So the field point is true to the flight of the broadhead, but when it comes to tuning the broadhead, you don't have to go out and buy another practice head, you know, or there's nothing else out there that is as aerodynamic as the head, you know, that needs to take its place. You just, you throw that set screw in and you send it and it's like the blades lock open. Like you said, there's just so many, so many aspects of this head that, that make it desirable and functional. And, you know, and they, not only that, they just came out with two more, two more heads, you know, that are a little bit different design. And I want to elaborate one more thing on, on what you were saying about the practice, the, the practice uh, set screw is that I want to be practicing with the broadheads that I'm going to be shooting the animal with the same yes. one. And with this design, you can do that because these blades, they get hidden in this ferrule. So nothing's, you know, the target's not ripping them up. It's not nope. dulling them because nothing's touching them. That's what I found really intriguing. And quite honestly, if you really wanted to, you could use these as field points. Yeah. Like, honestly, it's not, it's not going to ruin them. You know, as much as, you know, a guy shoots, you could you could be shooting these as field points practice in the backyard all the time if you wanted. Yes, and, you know, we've, we've already listed a multitude of reasons why this, this head is awesome, but they're also direct-to-consumer. You're not going to find these retail anywhere. You go on their website, and you can buy one if you want. You can buy 50 if you want. You can build a package of a combination of all three different designs, the, the 2.1, the 1.5, or the 1.7, um, you know, depending on, on your purpose or, you know, the functionality. And it's just a completely, I don't want to say customizable, but you can customize your order. And if you compare it, you know, equivalent to your standard three-pack of any other broadhead out there, I don't care if it's Rage, G5, you know, Muzzy, whatever. If you do a price comparison, when you buy three versus three, you're saving a ton of money. So check them out, do some research on it, and... I mean, if you're open-minded and you're willing to give something new a chance, just go go order one or two and try it. Um, I mentioned Allie shot her bear with it this year. She's only pulling 40 pounds on her bow. Okay, she was shooting the 2.1, the Sever 2.1, and, like, leading into the hunt, I was so nervous about having her shoot that broadhead just because of her draw weight, but it performed flawlessly. The bear died in 30 yards, and... There was blood on the ground from impact up to the point where we recovered it. I mean, I was I was shocked. That was a huge like eye opener for me to watch how well it performed on such a low poundage bow. Now, granted, she made a great shot. You know, placement is everything, but for a mechanical to perform like that at forty pounds, I was just I was floored. With that big a cut. Yeah, with that big of a cut. On a, on a big animal, too, you know. Yep. We're not talking about, like, a, yep. you know. Tough skin. Well, cool. I don't want to give away everything, so they yeah. just <laughs> have to listen to this intro. So there is a lot more into this podcast than what we have just, you know, established. But I think it would be a good time we just kick this over to the interview with Clint and uh, 
let uh, let him take it from here. Yeah, for sure. All right, today on the phone we have Clint Warner from Severed Broadheads. Clint, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I uh, glad we got a chance to hook up here, and I'm uh, I'm interested in talking about some Severed Broadheads and uh, and knowing a little more about the company. How's that sound? That sounds great. Yeah. Very cool. So you know, to start, you know, a lot of people don't. I don't think they know about Sever, and I just kind of want to start from, you know, the inception of the Broadhead and the company, and and kind of where all that be, uh, that began, and where you guys are located at. Yeah, no worries. So we're based out of Salt Lake City. Um, how Sever got started, though, um, I've always been a fan of the Ulmer Ridge Broadhead, and it was a Broadhead that was out oh around 2010 or so. It was designed by a guy named Rusty Ulmer, brothers of Randy Ulmer. Um, who's a big Western mule deer hunter and has probably taken more big mule deer than anybody. And before that was a top level tournament archer and, you know, just one of the, one of the best archers and human beings, you know, that you can find. So between him and his brother, they collaborated, came out with the old ranch broadhead and I believe it was trophy taker that sold it years ago. And after a few years, it went away. Um, and I always just felt that it had really good potential and that if it was done right, we could just do it better. And, and I always kind of remembered that broadhead. And when the opportunity came up for, um, for us to, to do a broadhead, I, I thought, man, this is what we should do. And so make a long story short, I was able to get the rights to produce it. And, um, then we, you know, we completely re-engineered the head, you know, took a lot of the same features that made the Ulmerids great, but we redesigned the head and, um, and, and made it better. So, but besides the product, you know, there, there's a lot of good broadheads that come out every year at ATA, but they go away, you know, a year or two later cause they can't compete. And so just having a good product isn't enough. And, and we were fully aware of that, you know, going into this. I mean, even though, you know, we're affiliated with a, a strong brand in the industry, we've never made a broadhead before. We've never competed in the broadhead space. And, and the problem as we saw it is, is this, the broadhead market's extremely crowded and it's dominated by the big broadhead retail brands. And so because of that, you know, it's really hard for retailers to want to give um, new brand shelf space. And even if they did, you're going to get one or two pegs and you're not going to sell that many. It'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and it's just going to be really, really hard to compete with so many retail brands that are out there. I mean, when I did the research, I counted at least 30 of broadhead brands. Now, most of those aren't big ones, but my point is it's a, it's a super crowded space. Right. Um, the other problem is, you know, you, you often can't find what you want, especially, you know, at, at peak season, you go into a store, they just don't have what you need. You end up going on Amazon anyway. And, and we just felt like um, with more and more people turning to the internet to buy product, that the direct consumer model would be a good way to, to go. So we started looking at that. Um, and then also the, uh, the, the product, our product is very expensive to make. We use, we use top quality raw materials. And if we were to sell it traditional, um, a traditional way, you know, we'd be pushing $60 a three pack. So, so we never really, we toyed around with this idea for a couple of years, but we never did anything with it because we couldn't figure out any way. You have a great product, but how do you, how do you overcome those problems that I just outlined? Right. Right. But, 
sooner or later, we figured out that, man, with the way the world is today and everybody's so connected with social media and um, and, and it's so easy to get things now um, that, that there's a diff, there's an opportunity here that was bigger than the product. And so you think, so this is kind of our vision for Sever and I'll kind of walk you through kind of what, how we looked at it. But when you think about what people are passionate about with bow hunting, you know, that what are they most passionate about? Probably their bow. And then the second thing is their broadhead. And then maybe a distant third is the arrow. So when people get into debates about hunting equipment stuff, you know, bows always come to mind and then broadheads are a big, you know, probably next. So we felt like if we created a, we had an opportunity, we could create a broadhead brand with some swagger, one that could live up to the level of passion um, behind the product that it represents. And we felt that that brand, that the broadhead needed a brand like that. And we also wanted to develop a personal relationship with each and every customer that uses our product. Mm-hmm. Um, it was important that it had a brand name and a mark that people could be proud of and that they would want to wear. Um, and, and we also felt like we that it was really important, especially with broadheads, that we control our message and ensure, you know, that way it ensures that every customer hears it the way we want it to be told. But it also eliminates, you know, just things from being uh, told in a way that wasn't, you know, correct or something like that. So by just having control of the message, uh, we felt like we could um, have a better, uh, a better reach that way. Today with today's customers, I think in many cases, they know more about the product than the people selling them the product do. You know, they do their own research. They know what they want. They don't need to be told really what they want. They, they you know, they figure out what they want and they go into a store. I mean, how often do you go into a store? It's like you, you're teaching the person at the store what right. you're there to buy, right? Yep. So we just figured, let's not fight against that. Customers know what they want. Let's just give them what they want. Let's mm-hmm. and, and not tie their hands. I mean, why force them to buy three packs? That's that's silly. So we're like, look, we're going to go consumer direct. We're going to be able to sell a product that they know they want anyway. Let's not force them to buy what what's good for the retailer. Right. So it's, it's good for the retailer to do three packs. And that works for that model. But if you're going to go consumer direct, let's just sell whatever they want. So so we came up with the idea of let's sell them in niches and then. To make it even better, let's incentivize. If you're going to buy more, you should get a better deal, right? I mean, that just right. makes sense. So, so we do that, you know. So, um, so by doing all of these things, we were able to not just compete with a unique product and a cool product, but now we have a brand that's cool. Our go-to-market strategy um, is efficient. We control the message. And we ensure that every customer is treated, treated with the highest level of service, you know, and then also by going direct, we can, we can offer a premium quality head with better features and at a better price than our, than our retail competition is doing. So by doing all of those things and having a good product, now we feel like we have something that's worth, you know, competing against big retail brands um, with the Sever brand. So, so that's it. Right. So that was our vision. And so then part of our solution, we created Sever. So that's, you know, now fast forward, we're about a year into the brand now. And, um, you know, so far so good. Yeah. And the thing that, you know, intrigues me the most is that, like you said, you have more, you have all control over everything that basically you do. And, you know, you don't have to 
you know, go by the book of what these other retailers are trying to tell you and you can do whatever you want. And I love that you are going through, you know, you're using social media and all these platforms to the fullest because, you know, you don't have to worry about that uh, manufacturer and, or retailer, I'm sorry, retailer. And, and you're just doing it the way that uh, you want to do it. And I think you're kind of, getting on the forefront of this stuff because I mean, you see a lot of these other companies too, like not broadhead companies, but other ones go on consumer direct or, you know, direct to consumer. And it seems like it's working out for them. Um, I see a couple bow companies do it now, which, which I feel like is kind of hard for a bow company because a lot of people want to get their hands on that bow and shoot it, you know, yeah. so I think it might be a little more work for them. Yeah. And I, I want to also say too, I mean, there's a definite place and a need for, the retailer in certainly in archery, right? So I, I'm going to be the first to also come to the support of a dealer um, for their role in, in the archery industry. I mean, the, if you think about it, dealers, uh, dealers have a big role um, in the service that they provide tuning bows, building arrows, you know, consulting on, on what to buy and things like that. So there's definitely a place and a need for them in our space. And, 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 it's important for us and we respect that. Um, with broadheads, however, you know, it's a very, it's, it's a widget that's, that's really a non-consultative sale in a lot of ways. And so there's not a lot of tuning or, or you know, any of that that goes really into it. So I, I think products that are like that are going to be the products you see go more consumer direct, you know, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, yeah. But there's always going to be a need for the dealer if you're, you know, providing that service and that's, that's, what's important. I think the distinction yeah. there, you know, I don't want to be an advocate to say brands should go away from traditional distribution. I, I, you know, I think it's important that, that we recognize the role they do play, but just competitive pressure and the way the world is, it is what it is. And, and if you're going to compete in today's world, you have to, you know, you have to be able to sell um, through consumer direct channels when it's appropriate. And so if we were going to be successful in broadheads, that was the way we were going to have to do it. Definitely. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Um, so I, I kind of want to transition a little bit into the broadheads them, themselves and the technology behind them. Now, what's different about your technology that, you know, really nobody else is out there doing. Okay. So the sever designs a patented design, um, for a couple of reasons. So we're the only head on the market that um, is a locking pivoting design. So first of all, it's a rear deploy head, which is typically the preferred um, type of mechanical that's out there. That's what most people is. But what makes ours unique is that once it opens up, the blades lock open and then they can pivot. So most other broadhead designs, um, they'll, they'll lock open, but they don't pivot. A, or they can pivot. Some of them will pivot, but they don't lock. And both of those, you know, have shortcomings. The the locking open, non-pivoting kind, um, because they typically have really big blades, um, they're prone to deflection. And those big blades can, can deflect off bones and things, and your arrow can, you know, veer off course and things like that. Um, and then the pivoting, non-locking ones, you know, they being that they don't lock, they kind of flutter as they kind of go through and your wound channel varies in size and and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of for obvious reasons. There's, there's more to be desired there. Right. 
Right. Um, so what ours does by being able to lock open, then pivot, you're going to get those big giant entry holes that you would expect with um, other big cut type broadheads that are out there. Now I'm talking about the Sever 2.1 right now. Um, okay. That, that's our first head that we brought to market last year. So that's kind of what, what got our name on the map. Um, and that's, it's a big cut head, you know, which is what most deer hunters are going to be using. So you're going to get a big hole with that head, but by locking and pivoting, that's super advantageous because it doesn't deflect. Um, so if you have a, if you hit a bone, for example, that if the blade hits the bone, it can pivot out of the way. It's going to be more efficient and it also allows the head to just keep going straight. So um, you're going to be more accurate, but also um, it's going to be by being more efficient, you're going to get better penetration because you're not wasting energy trying to break those bones. You know, it'll go around them if you hit, hit them that way. Now, if you smash a bone head on, of course, you know, it's going to have to just deal with that. Right. But if you can eliminate variables, it's always going to be better. So that's something unique to sever. Um, the other cool thing about our head is it's the blades are fully contained in the ferrule in flight. So it's one of the things it's gaining quickly gaining a reputation for is how accurate it is. And that's because the blades are hidden. There's nothing exposed that's going to cause it to plane. Uh, and by being hidden, it allows us to provide the practice mode feature. So you can lock every head closed with the set screw and then practice with the same head you're going to hunt with. And that's awesome. Um, I like to tell people, you know, it's great for just getting that confidence. Um, you get to hunting camp, especially for a lot of us that travel to hunt. If you go from, you know, a thousand feet sea level up to 10,000 feet, that difference can make your sights change. So it's nice to be able to get to camp, put the head in practice mode, take one or two shots, just verify that your sights are where they need to be. Yep. So, um, the practice mode's awesome. Um, you know, and then our 2.1 is a titanium ferrule. So we're using a premium material, um, for strength and, and weight reasons. And, um, by buying direct, you save over 28% over retail brands. So, um, if you, you compare that to some of the equivalent titanium retail heads out there, they're 50 bucks a three pack. Mm-hmm. When you buy six or more with sever, we have coupon codes. that will get your three pack equivalent price down to around $36. So there's a big savings. So you're getting a great top end broadhead, but at a really, really good price. Yeah. And I see with your feral that is that all one titanium piece feral. It's all one is not, uh, you know, uh, two pieces put together. On the titanium ones, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, gotcha. the 2.1 and the 1.5, which is the new one we launched this year, um, both of those are titanium ferrules. And okay. both of those come in 100 and 125 grain. And then to, to go back to the pivoting blades. So yeah. with a non-pivoting blade, so your guys are pivoting. So non-pivoting. So if you were to, you know, try to deflect off bone with that, that yep. may, like with a non-pivoting bl- uh, head, that may, you know, scoop you around the vitals or the heart or a lung or something with yours with a yeah. pivoting, it would stay locked and it would just, it would stay straight planed and it wouldn't bounce. Right. Am I, am I reading that right? Yeah. So if you look, if you can go on Google, um, yeah. And we, there's a, I mean, you can YouTube it. There's a video that's gone around the internet. A lot of you guys might've seen it. It's showing our head pivoting around a bone. And I think if you Google, the search is def- severed deflection sucks. 
and okay. you'll see a video there and it's, it's like 15 seconds. And the first shot shows a non-pivoting head hitting a, a bone and gel. And then the second shot shows our head on the same shot and you'll see exactly that. So yeah, when the, if it, when the head, when the blade pivots around the bone, the arrow stays straight. But if you look at the one where it deflects, let's say you can see maybe, I don't know, 12 inches or so past the, where that bone is in the gel and the arrow that deflects is almost three inches off course within 12 inches past that deflection point. Yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. If you're aiming, if you have, if you take a low heart shot, for example, and, and that were to, you were to miss or whatever and hit that front shoulder, you know, there's a chance that things can go haywire. I mean, it happens. I mean, even on rip shots and stuff, it happens. Um, where where deflection is a big deal is on quartering shots. Mm-hmm. You know, mechanicals. I mean, I've shot I've shot Rage brand heads prior to Sever. I mean, prior to doing Sever for years, I love them. I mean, I still do. They're they're a good head. I have nothing but good to say about Rage, honestly. But um, one of the things, and I've always liked it. But when I started shooting the Sever head, I started taking confidence in shooting quartering steeper quartering shots. And that I couldn't necessarily shoot with any other mechanical as well because they, they just don't pivot. And yep. having that pivoting blade um, really helps to keep the, you know, the head going straight. I can take quartering shots now that I would never have taken with a mechanical prior to because I've just seen times where they've they've hit the ribs and they've kind of skipped off down the side of the animal and they just things didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But I've I've taken steep quartering shots. I've never had a problem. Um, never had one customer ever in all the ones we've sold ever report back that they had an issue with that. So, yeah, well, and you know, like I said prior to like the, the broadhead in a bow hunter's world is, is the most important in my opinion, most important piece of equipment that you need to have because you, you know, you should be putting that to the forefront of, you know, being ethical and you owe it to that animal to be able to, you know, be as, as ethical and lethal as you can to, for a clean, you know, a clean kill and harvest. So, you know, I, I totally agree. And you don't want to be out there, like you were talking about quartering shots. You want to, you don't want to be out there not confident with what you're, you know, shooting. So that just shows me that, you know, these heads give you more confidence in taking, you know, a lot of shots that you normally wouldn't with another broadhead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's not forget, though, at the end of the day, it's bow hunting, right? Things can go right. wrong, and they do. And that's yep. part of the reason we, we like bow hunting is because of the challenge. And so, you know, we're not going to say that somebody's not going to ever have a bad experience, and they do. I mean, the, the thing is, people will always blame their broadhead for why they don't get their deer. It's funny how they are that way. But um, you know, the, at the end of the day, it's all about shot placement. So mm-hmm. if you if you do your yep. job, I'm confident that the our head will will take care of what it needs to take care of and perform like it should. But you know, you can only design a head to be so good and then it, it, the rest of it's up to the shooter. So Right. You know, we yeah. we do our best to try to eliminate as many variables as possible, but at the end of the day it's bow hunting, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> that and that that's my personal answer to a lot of people, you know, when they ask me questions about broadheads that I've used or I would recommend and it's like they'll all do what they need to do. If you do what you need to do, like you just got to be able to put the arrow where it needs to go. And, you know, like it seems like with anything in archery, whether it's building a bow, building an arrow, 
you know, or even down to probably setting a tree stand. I mean, there's, there's give and take, like you're going to gain something, but you're always going to lose something at the same time. And it's that, that broadhead is the first thing making contact. I mean, that's what you're relying on to, you know, to put blood on the ground and ethically kill the animal. So, I mean, it's, I, I think you're spot on with, you know, being the most important piece of gear outside of the bow in your hand. Right. So let me comment on that, that, you know, because I can't control the guy's shot placement and that's nothing I can affect, but what I can control is the quality of the way we design it, the way we build it, the way we put it together. And that stuff matters. Um, you know, I will point out the locking pivoting blades bring some advantages for strength. Um, it, it allows for the head to, um, when it encounters a force of hitting a bone or something, pivot out of the way. That reduces the stress on the blades. Um, it, it's going to greatly minimize the chance for damaging a blade or worse, even breaking a blade. Um, and I, I think that the locking pivoting design, besides you know preventing deflections, prevents a lot of failure of heads. And I've seen a lot of good, good quality broadheads on the market break blades in the field and i don't consider that necessarily the fault of that brand it's just the nature of that design you know it's just mm -hmm. it is yeah. what it is i mean i i like to use the sports analogy a lot with basketball and back in the day rims didn't break away so guys would dunk and they'd shatter the backboard yeah you know and sooner or later everybody was dunking and a lot of backboards were shattering they had to come up with a way to deal with that so they had breakaway rims and now with what the sever design brings to the table is a design that's that can that can give and manage that stress think about what's going on with crossbows i have a 10 point xrt nitro that shoots 475 feet per second with a really lightweight arrow right mm -hmm. I've, I've built i don't like shooting a crossbow that fast personally now first of all the sever will work in all crossbows so no problem but i I'll take that crossbow and put a 730 grain arrow in it and still shoot it at 360 feet per second. That's wow. producing over 200 foot pounds of kinetic energy. That's four times the amount of energy I'm producing out of my vertical bow. So yep. just to give you an idea, I mean, technology is quickly, you know, going to get to the point where I think that the the broadheads are going to have to catch up. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see that a lot, like with crossbows, I get this question all the time on social media is, was your head approved for crossbows? I mean, that's a problem with other broadhead designs right now is making sure they don't open prematurely when shot out of a crossbow. Right. Um, so one thing super cool about the sever is um, just the way we've designed it. It doesn't matter how fast you shoot it. It's not going to open um, because it opens from the back. That's not an issue, but having that locking pivoting blade when you're shooting it out of a fast bow like that, dealing with the stress is a big deal. And so that locking pivoting blade really, really helps for that. Yeah. Well, that, that attests to your O-ring system too. Let's touch on that because I know you've got, it's a silicone O-ring and it won't dry rot, but you're talking about, you know, putting more torque behind the arrow. Like when you pull the trigger, um, you know, talk about the, the design and, you know, the, the, the benefit to the o-ring system because i know a lot of people kind of have a bad taste in their mouth for for those designs right now yeah so if you but you got to look at it it's not the o-ring's fault it's just doing its job 
right? So the O-ring right. isn't the problem. It's the design of the broadhead that was a problem with other designs. So in the past, broadheads that have used O-rings, they've had exposed blades. So what happens when you have an exposed blade? It's going to catch on things. When it catches on things, it opens. I mean, that's not the O-ring's fault. That's just the broadhead's fault. So I, I just, the, the, what I like about the O-ring in our case um, is it's, it's a proven solution that works every time and it's simple and you know again you look at other designs that don't use o-rings they don't eliminate frustration either in a lot of cases you know they're more frustrating because once you once they pop open they're harder to reset so forth so you know we just feel like the 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 silicone o-ring is one of those things if it isn't broke don't fix it kind of a a thing but with ours it's a perfect way to retain the blades because our blades are fully contained, so there is nothing to snag and and accidentally pop them open. Um, there is a little bit of give to them, so if you accidentally push them too hard into your quiver, you know, if you push them up into the quiver hood, sometimes it'll push the blades open a little bit. But vegan, that there's some give to it, those blades will or the O-ring will stretch and then come back. Um, we put a little teeny dull spot right on the blade edge right where that o-ring sits so that it can stretch a little bit without cutting it so we've thought through all of those little details to try to make the consumer experience a a good one and um you know any you know any bad experiences people have had with products using o-rings before i I just have you know i say it's it's not a concern with the sever head um it just isn't yeah. Uh, you can also reset our our blades very quickly. You, I just leave a second spare O-ring right on my arrow, either right in front of the veins or right down at the bottom where it screws on. And if if I ever needed to reset that, I can. I don't even have to unscrew the broadhead. I just roll it with my thumb up over right where it needs to be, and it's done. I mean, it's it's so easy that um, I, I actually prefer it. Even if I could change to something else, I don't know that I would. I mean, it, it just works so well and it's so easy. Right. So I see yeah. you guys offer black and red O-rings. Is there a difference in them? Not in the O-rings. The the red ones we install on the Deep Six broadheads. Okay, gotcha. So that's the only reason we do that. More of a probably more so for our people, so that mm-hmm. our people in our warehouse can easily identify Deep Six from regular. Okay. But yeah, they, they would be fully interchangeable and, and we've sold a lot of people sparrow rings that were red, you know, to use on non deep six broadheads. It's not a problem. I see. Now deep six, you guys do offer the deep six. Can you explain what the deep six is to everybody that, that doesn't know what it is? Yeah. So a few years ago, Easton, um, well, it was the first company to actually come out with a micro diameter arrow for hunting. And when they introduced that, it was the carbon injection. So this was a four millimeter hunting arrow that was so small, regular points and inserts wouldn't fit in it. And they needed a way to attach points. And at the time, um, the only way to do it, I guess, would be with, with an outsert. But Easton has a unique patent, um, was the HIT, the HIT system. So anyone that's familiar with the Axis or the FMJ products that Easton makes knows about the HIT inserts. And that allows you to install a hidden insert in the arrow, screw the broadhead on, and have um, basically a 
you know, um, a more flush, um, stronger connection between the arrow and the, and the insert. So we wanted to be able to create an arrow that had um, those benefits. And that's what, what you needed to have a new thread standard. So what Deep Six is, is a different thread on the broadhead that allow that's smaller than a regular standard thread that allows you to attach a broadhead to those micro diameter arrows. So primarily it's an Easton thing. Um, any Easton four millimeter full metal jacket or carbon injection four millimeter arrow would require a deep six broadhead. So that's why we do those. Now, if you want um, to use a half out, a lot of companies now are selling half outs. So, you know, Victory, Gold Tip, um, Black Eagle, Carbon Express, pretty much they're all now selling micro diameter arrows and they use half outs to attach the broadheads to those. So I would say 90% of the people out there are going to want regular 832 standard broadheads. Only in the case of those Eastern four millimeters are you going to need a deep six. Gotcha. Yeah, and that that's, I mean, deep six hasn't been around a while, right? It's only been a new thing the last couple of years. Uh, it's probably, I would say 20, I'd guess six years, going on six or seven years now, actually. Okay. But it's gotcha. been, it's it's always been um, hard to find broadheads for deep six arrows. There's a lot of guys yeah. that really like the deep six arrows, but it's hard to get a broadhead for it. So yep. um, it's just nice to have another choice with the Sever for deep six. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple friends that shoot the deep six, and they can eliminate some brands because they don't offer them, like you said. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, let's let's kind of go down the line here. So you offer a two point one, a one point five, and a one point seven. So, you know, something that I, you probably get a lot of questions of is, you know, somebody might come up to you and say, well, I'm going to go hunt whitetail. What's the best head for, you know, me? Is it a 2.1, a 1.5? Like, how do you direct them to, like, hunting, you know, say a whitetail or an elk or a bear? Like, what do you say when they're asking for what head they need? Yeah, good question. So I, I kind of feel like with broadheads, um, there's, this is another area of debate, right? You've got fixed blade guys and you've got mechanical guys. And the reason I'm, I mentioned the fixed plate guys in this, even though we're talking mostly about severs, because I don't think either camp is wrong. They're just different. They're in their opinions. Um, fixed plate guys generally are wanting pass-through performance in the animals they shoot. Um, Dr. Ashby was well known for, for publishing a lot of really well-written articles on penetrating broadheads and the advantages to that. And, I don't dispute any of what he's saying. I think it all is valid and makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of guys that want pastors. Then there's the guys that want big holes and I fall into the big hole camp. So I've, I've never had a, an animal and I've killed now over 40 or 50 animals approaching 50, probably with rear deploy mechanical heads. And I've never lost an animal and I've lost animals with mechanical heads and I, and I, you know, I'm sure shot placement had a lot to do with, I'm sorry, I've lost animals with fixed blade heads and I'm sure shot placement had a lot to do with it. But one thing I can say, having seen both a lot is I prefer the blood trails I get with mechanical heads. Mm -hmm. It just, it opens them up more. And even if I don't get a pass through, 
I'm still opening it up and I'm creating a huge wound channel and making them bleed. And if I can track the animal, that's the first step to finding it. So right. even if even if it dies, I, if I can't find it, if I can't track it, then then I fail. So I'm I fall into the camp of I like a big cut. So so to kind of explain the why of the line, I mean the 2.1 head was our first head we launched and that head was going after the big cut mechanical consumer. That's the guy that wants the big cut, that wants the big hole. Um, and and I would argue most of the mechanicals on the market fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the most popular. And I would say for most deer hunters out there, most adult deer hunters shooting, you know, normal hunting weights, normal draw lengths, when I'm saying 28 draw length and above, 60 pounds and above for deer size game and hogs, a 2.1 is a great choice. Um, you know, for, for deer, antelope, hogs, you name it, 2.1 is a great choice. Now, that being said, a lot of people have used our 2.1 to hunt elk, moose. I've had two guys kill bison with them. Um, so, and, and one of the guys, I mean, he shot his bison, got a complete pass through with a 60 pound bow and a regular FMJ that didn't have any extra weight put on it. So just to put it in perspective, you know, shot placement is everything. And with a two inch head with the right shot placement, you can shoot any animal in North America. Um, But it just becomes, you know, shot placement becomes more critical. um, The bigger you get on cut. If you don't, there's always a trade off, right? With everything, just like guns. Um, you know, can you shoot an elk with a 243? Yeah, you can. People do it, but would I rather shoot an elk with a 300 Win Mag? Yeah, probably. You know, it's mm-hmm. just there's trade-offs, and so you got to find that balance. And so that's what we felt like we needed when we looked at our heads that we were going to introduce for this year was we needed a head that we, you know, we had the head in the 2.1 that went after the the meat of the market. So the white-tailed deer hunter was covered. You know, the Western antelope hunter was covered. Um, even, you know, some of the elk hunters were happy with that head. No problem. But we needed a head that's going to appeal more to, I'll, I'll say, the fixed blade mentality a little bit. You know, there's a lot of guys that have shot fixed blades for years and love them, love the performance they get, but they're frustrated by the accuracy that goes along with it. And you're constantly having to, you know, fine tune your stuff and, and deal with accuracy issues that fixed blades um produce so the we the 1.5 i'll go there first is is our penetration head so the sever 1.5 has a smaller cut diameter and a more swept back blade angle compared to the 2.1 but you still get the locking pivoting design and all the benefits of every other sever head so it functions the same but what that head is intended to do is give you maximum penetration compared to our 2.1 head which is designed for maximum cut so like anything in bow hunting, there's a trade-off, right? Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna go with a get if you're gonna produce maximum cut, you will sacrifice penetration. If you're going to produce maximum penetration, you do sacrifice cut. So the they're gonna they're different tools for different jobs. Think of it as a, a driver and a pitching wedge golf club. They do different things. And they do their different things very well. So with the 1.5, you're gonna get really great penetration. And the holes won't be as big. Um, but for the for the person that's always preferred a fixed blade head or 
who wants two holes in everything they shoot, or maybe they have a low, you know, they just want good penetration. Maybe they're hunting a moose. Maybe they're hunting elk. Um, maybe they're a lady that has a 50 pound draw or a 40 pound draw or a 25 inch draw, you know, all of those situations, you know, would, would fit the bill for somebody that would be better served using a 1.5 inch head as opposed to the 2.1. Okay. And you kind of have to consider all of those things, right? And I get a lot of calls from people. I had one the other day, a guy said, well, what should I shoot? I'm a 27 inch draw and I shoot 60 pounds. And normally 60 pounds, I'd say, yeah, that's, I'd say go 2.1, but he was hunting elk and deer. I said, you know what, go with the one seven because you know, you, you have decent amount of draw weight, but your, your draw length is a, a tad bit shorter than, than average. So let's, let's recommend a head that's going to, you know, give him a little bit more in the way of penetration, but still give him a decent cut. So the 1.7 is an awesome, um, we call it our, our all purpose head. It's kind of good at everything. Um, okay. you know, provides a really good cut, but gives, has a, a, a really good penetration potential as well. So, it, you know, that's a good choice. So now with the, the one, one five and the two one, those are both titanium heads. So those round out like our, our top of the line. We offer those in both 100 and 125 grain versions mm-hmm. and in the deep six in a 100 grain version as well. So we offer the most choice in those and it covers the broadest, you know, if you're, if you're particular about what you're hunting, we have a, a head for you with those two models for sure. Now with the 1.7, in addition to being kind of an all around good head, on purpose, we decided to make that one with a 7075 aluminum ferrule and a stainless steel tip. And so by doing it that way, we can sell the 1.7 at an even lower price than we're selling the two titanium models for. So not only is that all purpose going to be kind of good for everything, it's going to, the, the price on that's insane. I mean, if you buy, I think our everyday price on it is $36 a three pack equivalent, but if you buy six or more, that's pushing like down around 30 bucks. So okay, like 30 bucks a three pack equivalent. So, and then that's going to compare with heads that are day in and day out. selling for $40 a three pack retail now. So what we wanted to do with the 1.7 was, was provide a head that anybody can afford to shoot. I mean, think about the guys in Texas that are hunting hogs or people in Alabama that can kill, kill a deer a day. Yep. You know, it gets, it gets expending, it gets expensive, sorry, to support your bow hunting hobby and when you're shooting that much those guys can't afford to shoot titanium heads and so we needed something that that kind of the everyday hunter can use and the one seven is no slouch i personally that's what i'm going to be using this year um just last week sarah bomar killed a world record water buck in africa with one um you know it's an awesome head so i i think we have a really well-rounded lineup with the three models and um, I feel like we pretty much have a head for everybody. And if we don't, I'll be the first person to recommend a customer not shoot our head. If I feel like their setup um, would be better served with a fixed blade. And I've done that mm-hmm. before, but. Well, I, 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 I think you are well-rounded and I think you do offer something for, like you said, everybody, because, you know, there's a, like, like you said earlier, I mean, broadheads is a huge debate. It's like, everybody wants their cake and eat it too. You know, they want penetration and they want the big hole. So it's like, well, 
you know, you got to figure out something here. What would you rather have more? It's still going to perform well, you know, whether, but you're going to give up a little bit of something else. And honestly, the 1.7, when you start talking about that, that's a, that's a head that I'm intrigued by, you know, and it's, it still gives you a, a decent, decently sized, good cut and, you know, better penetration. So to me, that's like the well-rounded athlete. That's not yeah. great at everything, but he's very good at, you know, a lot of things, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I envision it. Yeah. And I, you know, if you have the opportunity, I mean, not everybody kills a ton of stuff every year. I, and I understand that, but if you have the opportunity to hunt a lot and, and kill a lot of things, I really tell people don't make up your mind after one animal, right? What you like. I mean, yep. ideally what I always recommend people do is get a couple of each and use them. The one great thing with sever is they, they're so accurate. You can put a, you can put all three in your quiver and, and shoot all three interchangeably basically. So, you know, get some experience, shoot different animals with, with all the models. And I think you will pretty much come to your own conclusion. What gives you the most confidence based on the results you see. And I'm not, and, and I don't think one person's you know, and, and unless somebody's just doing something that's not smart, you know, um, you know, shooting a 30 pound bow with a two inch head, two inch mechanical, I wouldn't ever recommend that. But, but if in most situations, I think, you know, you can make anything, almost anything work if, if your shot placement's good. But I think every individual hunter will, will come to their own conclusion as to what head they like the best. Yep. And and I found that that's why I'm liking the 1.7. I mean, I've always been a 2.1 guy, and the more I shoot this 1.7 and the 1.5, I, I have more experiences with them. And I mean, the more I'm shooting the 1.7, it's quickly growing on me for for my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and I'll admit, when it when I first started working on it, I didn't think I would be shooting it. But you know, it's just because the more you do use something, the more you know and been a good head right well i want to transition a little bit here to another another portion and something else you you guys offer and it's your storage your you know your deluxe sever broaded case and your and your hard case there and the reason why i'm intrigued by it is because i have a friend that uh with his broadheads he just you know puts them in his quiver during season and and a lot of guys yeah a lot of hunters heck i even do it still and you know put it right in my case and he ended up having uh his string uh blow up his bow blow his bow blew up in the case and you know when i was looking at this you guys offer a really nice uh this deluxe case you it's yeah. really nice and how it zips up and it's very contained a lot of companies don't offer that can you explain a little bit i know it's a case hard to explain about it but it's like uh you know where did this you know idea come from and, and uh, it's funny you ask that question so in one of our hunting camps we were actually introducing the sever head to some magazine writers and we got to camp. We'd sent them some heads before, and we, we got to camp, and they show up, and they still had the little black cardboard box that the sever heads came in, and they were using it as like they're in their bow case case, you know? Okay. So they were they were taking the cardboard shipping box that it came with and using it, and I think just because it was so convenient. And it was Gary, who handles our marketing, was there when that, and he saw that, and he came back, and he said, we need to design a zipper case that, that kind of does this, everything that the cardboard case does, because guys are using their box to keep their broadheads in. I thought, well, that's great. Let's do it. So we did. And, um, it's just a molded, 
it's a molded hard case with a zipper on it. And it just, you can put all the little plastic tubes that they come in inside. I can actually get 24 heads in one zipper case. Oh, and, wow. um, just if you take out the little paper inserts that hold the broadheads, you can fit two broadheads per plastic case. So you can okay. get, I can get two dozen in, in one of those. And then to make it better, we added a zipper pocket off the one side. So you can take all of your, if you have replacement blade packs, you can put those in there. Um, your practice wrench screws, your practice wrench tool, the unlocking tool, all that can go in that other side. So it's just a, a really convenient way to store stuff. I, I use it also to hold my extra field points um, mm -hmm. when I'm switching, you know, on and off between practice sessions. So it's pretty slick. Uh, we sell the case for 21 bucks on our site, but with, our, with several, like I said earlier, the more you buy, the better deal you get. So when you, we have a season pack promotion um, going right now where when you buy, you get 13 heads for the price of 12 and a free case on, on that when you use that coupon code. So um, I th you'll end up, you know, getting a, that case for free. If you're, if you hunt a lot and you're going to take advantage of that deal, um, that's a great way to go. And all of those promotions you can see on our, on our website there. So uh, awesome. yeah, the, the, uh, but the case by itself is an awesome thing, regardless of, you know, how many you decide to get. So. Well, I like it, and it kind of reminds me of I I wear a lot of Oakley sunglasses, and then, and then the the sunglass case that you get. It's a nice like zip up hard case to store your sunglasses. That's what it reminds me of. And to me, you know, when you're out hunting, like I do a lot of whitetail hunting, and it's like it's supposed to be, you know, whitetail hunting supposed to be relax. You know, when you're back at camp, and you you don't want it to be stressful and everything. And this just kind of throws some stress out of it, and being able to be, you know. Uh, organized and just have everything right there and all your broadheads, you know, you're right there. So I, I thought that was pretty cool design. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, for that's sure. It. Well, cool. I, I don't, I don't really have anything else. Justin, do you have anything, any closing thoughts or any questions? Um, no, no questions really, but just the closing thought on my end, um, you know, Clint, when you, when you say that you wanted to take the approach of, you know, being personable and, you know, from what I can tell, you personally answer every question on any Instagram comment. You answer every message so far that I've ever sent you. And I mean, we only just talked for the first time on the phone today. Like I was, I've been messaging several broadheads and I mean, you always answer and you go to, go to any post and Sever's answering every question on every single post. And it's, you know, what you're doing is working and I just see you guys catching fire out there with some of the people that are using it and people are starting to, you're hearing sever more and more, you know, and so many people are either wanting to try it or have already tried it. And the guys that have already tried it are, are pushing it. It seems like no matter what they're coming from, you know, once they shoot the sever, they're, you know, they swear by it. And, uh, I just want to say like what you guys are doing is, is awesome. Uh, there's, there's a lot to be said about going consumer direct like you are, and, uh, you know, I know there's a few companies in the industry doing it, and I'm not going to be surprised to see a whole lot more doing that here in the very near future. But, uh, you know, for your for your goals and what you set out to do, uh, I got to say that you're you're doing a great job at it. Well, I, pr I appreciate the compliment um, sincerely. You know, it's it's one thing to sell a product, but it, it's a lot of work to um 
to answer the questions and to answer the emails. And, and it's something yeah. that we strive to do. I mean, it's, it's something that's a big part of our strategy and, and we, we don't want to let one person, you know, go without being recognized or without being addressed. If they have a question. I mean, that's just, that's so integral to who we are that it's yeah. as important as our product, in my opinion. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. You can get consumed about a product, but, the people it's all about the people it's yeah, about yeah, our customers it's about our customers you know like if and we're, we're active on instagram because you guys and you guys are you're our customers too i mean you guys are all we got mm-hmm. you're what makes it happen so i mean we we couldn't be who we are if it wasn't for our customers and and it's a huge huge yeah. part of what we do so i appreciate you recognizing yeah. it and we're going to continue to do what we do and just work hard yeah. and Hopefully I mean, keep you, growing. You said it earlier, <laughs> if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? So, I mean, just keep rolling with it. And, I mean, it, it's working, so keep it up, man. And um, I know you and I actually got the chance to meet face-to-face out in Salt Lake in February. And then um, I know you guys are – you guys do the whole circuit, you know, during show season. Uh, I know you were out here in Des Moines for the deer, the Iowa Deer Classic. And, uh, um, you know, you're – not only are you handling things on the digital side, but I mean, you guys are putting yourselves out there all over the country to, to meet the, the, the customers and answer questions face to face and let people get their hands on it. So, I mean, it's, and, and that's all you guys as well. You have you personally, and it's not just guys that you put on the road to sell it. Like, you're doing it the same as you are everywhere else. It's so much fun to go and meet people face to face and do consumer shows. I mean, it's it's probably one of the highlights of my year is doing that. I wish there were, I wish we were bigger because I want I want to go to more of them. But um, yeah, we 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 try to make it to as many as we can. I think um, this next year we're going to try to hit more of the Deer Classics. I think this year we did Harrisburg, Ohio, and Iowa. Um, we will do Buckmasters in Alabama. This year, we're going to do the Total Archery Challenge in, in Utah here this weekend. Um, and hopefully next year, we can keep, you know, adding to our show circuit. So, yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, cool. Clint, I, I, and the lasting thoughts on my end, where would you direct people to go to, you know, see anything, sever, or, you know, YouTube, social media channels, website? Like, where would you like everybody to go to to you know, learn more about them? I would say Instagram is probably our strongest social media platform. Um, so, you know, Instagram, of course, Facebook, I would say Instagram's the best one. Uh, we do post as much as we can to Facebook, but with just Instagram stories and swipe ups and things, um, that just tends to work best for us. We have a lot mm-hmm. of good information we save on our highlights section of our Instagram page. Tons of how to's, um, frequently asked questions. We have a lot of, uh, customer submitted kill shot that we put up um testimonials from customers i mean it's just a good page for information um but then uh, severbroadheads.com is our website that's the only place we sell them as well okay and so again there's a lot of information there as well we we um are going to be doing more and more on our blog side of things as well as youtube side of things um but i would say to everybody just follow us on instagram and facebook sign up for our email list as well which is on our website and if you do any of that you'll be able to you know keep up on everything that's going on in our world awesome awesome well again i i want to thank you and i appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this and 
you know your busy day like justin was saying you're busy with everything you're, you're running out running it all so thank you again and uh hopefully you have a good upcoming season this year yeah aaron you, you too man and i appreciate you guys taking the time to think of us and, and wanting us on your show um we appreciate it so we look forward to talking to you again yeah thank you very much clint yeah thank you clint thanks guys That's right.